Assalamu alaikum brothers and sisters. Welcome to another episode of the Ark of Thoughts podcast. Today's episode we're talking about Muslims and the Arabic language. So passing what we want to talk about today, um, we want to talk about the importance of the Arabic language within our society in terms of like what benefits that it can bring to us, um, both in our normal day-to-day life as well as as a, as well as our spiritual life as Muslims through our rituals, um, etc. etc. We want to talk about like, you know, why why is it important for the layperson to learn Arabic? Because I think many of us we have an understanding that Arabic is only for the scholars or you know only somebody that wants to study deeply within the religion needs to learn the the language of Arabic but I think we want to debunk this sort of myth or this understanding uh, that you know that a lay person a normal person a person that works a nine-to-five job that has a family that has kids can learn the Arabic language and not only can they learn it but it's also going to be of great benefit to them as well um, and then also we'll also end about just talking about how can we learn the Arabic language as well? So I know that you want to talk about a particular curriculum that you think might be might be useful. Um, again, as we always mention and as we always caveat, you know, these are our opinions. This is what limited information and knowledge that we have that we try to, that we want to inshallah share um, that people can benefit from. We'll also provide some links or um, some courses that are available that inshallah um, people people that are that want to learn and have passion to learn um, can inshallah link onto. But I think before we sort of get into it, the first thing that I want to caveat and I want to mention, and you know, it's probably the buzzword for today's episode is dedication. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> if there's anybody out there that wants to learn the Arabic language or any language, you know, doesn't have to be Arabic. If there's a language that you want to learn, you have to be dedicated to learning that language. Um, it it does take time. Um, it and definitely requires effort from every person that wants to do so. Um, but if you are dedicated, you will see results. And one of the things that we want to talk about as well is, you know, when we're learning the Arabic language, um, and I'm a complete newbie. Um, Alhamdulillah, Kasim's Arabic is is very good uh, to the point that he can hold conversations with people. Um, but I'm a complete newbie uh, to this. But results, when you start the journey of learning Arabic, your results are not instant. You're not going to see it immediately on the first lesson. But within a few weeks worth of lessons, definitely you will start to see the benefit. Um, and it definitely, you know, as soon as you get the ball rolling, that snowball effect takes place of your learning. But at the same time, you're seeing the benefit in it. So you want to learn more. So you benefit more. So you continue to start learning more. Um, so, you know, if anybody has had passion of learning Arabic or, you know, has ha- has never considered it as well, Inshallah, hopefully this episode is of benefit to you, um, where we talk about the importance and and how to go about doing so. So let's begin, Inshallah. Let's start. Um, the importance of Arabic in daily life. So Kasim, like you know, how can we benefit from learning the language of Arabic? So Alhamdulillah, as Muslims, uh, one thing that we generally there's two things which we will do on a daily basis. The first thing is that as a Muslim, we read our five times salah. And the second thing is that, alhamdulillah, Muslims, they read the Quran on a daily basis. <clears throat> now, both of these sort of, these, both of these acts of worship are done in the Arabic language. A person cannot pray salah without reading the Quran and the Quran has to be read in Arabic. So, if a person, this is my humble opinion, that just a lay person, 
if he reads the Quran every single day. And just say a lay person who just learned some sort of Arabic, if he was to pick up the Quran, read a page, and maybe if he was to understand 30, 40, 50, 60% of the page that he's reading, and let me just make it very clear, I'm not going to say he's going to understand all the intricacies and all the you know deep, fine details, but he understands the words and he understands what the sentence is saying, what the verse is saying, you know, then this is going to have a profound effect on his life. Why? Because one day, for example, he's feeling sadness. Then he reads an ayat of the Quran where, the, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking to Nabi Sallallahu and he's telling him that don't be sad, you know, don't be fearful, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with you. And there'll be other days where a person is happy and then uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you may read the verse where he's talking to Nabi Sallallahu and he's talking to the believers about being happy and that, you know, a person will be happy when he's in Jannah and he has all these blessings with him. So if a person learns the Arabic language and he understands, you know, these you know, very simple basic meanings of the Quran, it'll have a profound effect on his life. You know, and I'll need you to talk about Salah. Yeah, so like you mentioned on a day-to-day basis, but you see Salah is the worship in which we are communicating with our Lord, you know. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know that Allah has given the Qur'an as a source of guidance for us. Now, uh, the Qur'an is complete guidance. So in whichever way, shape or form we interact with the Qur'an, it is a means of guidance. You know, to an extent where the scholars even mentioned that, you know, if you're a person, if you opens a mushaf and he just looks at the words of Allah. This is of benefit to him, you know. Um, at the same time, if we listen to the words of Allah, this is of benefit to us. If we read the words of Allah without understanding, even then this is a source of benefit and a source of guidance to us. But ultimately we all know and understand that if we were to understand the words of Allah and we were to understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, how powerful is that? That what our Lord is trying to tell us what is guidance for us, what we have been created for, that we understand even partially, you know, how amazing would that be? And what would our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala go to? You know, once we understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is trying to tell us, we have direct communion with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know. Um, and I think this is really important that we have this this passion, this want, this desire. Sometimes, you know, not not everything I'll be able to act upon. But I think every Muslim should have the desire and the want to know what his or her Lord is trying to tell them. And, and have a deep understanding of, of the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that which has been sent to, uh, as, a, as a source of guidance. And I think the other point that I want to mention as well is, see, Islam is very different to other Abrahamic faiths or other faiths in general as well. Um, and I think we've, t- we've touched upon this in previous conversations as well, Kasim, that because we live in the West, and in particular because we live in Europe, where in Europe the main religion that has existed within Europe has generally been Christianity. The way that Islam relates to Christianity in many things is like chalk and cheese. Okay, And one example of that is the interaction between um, the governing body and religion. Um, the one on one side Christianity, on the other side Islam, and how the two have interacted, you know, um, or you could even look at not just the governing body but um, the scientific community and how Christianity has interacted with the scientific community and how Islam has reacted and um, had contact with with the scientific community, and they've been two different things, you know. Uh, whilst on one hand, generally we tend to find uh, within previous texts that 
the the church would shun uh, the scientific community. Um, there would be very, very little involvement or very little cohesion between the two. On the other hand, Islam's interaction with science or uh, the Islam's interaction with society in general was one of cohesion. You know, um, we know about many, many texts that were translated from other languages into Arabic because that's where the scholarly work was taking place. Um, at the same time, you know, there's, there's sciences such as um, within the field of mathematics, which is my sort of speciality, you could say, um, algebra, which was developed by uh, Muslim thinkers. Okay, um, The word algebra itself comes from the word algebra. Um, we talk about even like the use of like letters you know, as placeholders for unknown quantities. This originally comes from the Arabic language. Even the numeral zero, okay, within Roman numerals, Zero doesn't even exist, Kasim. Um, it, it was only it's something which has come across from the Muslim tradition um, with the with the Arabic numeral system that zero became a thing within European society. So you know, Arabic has had a huge influence, just not on the religious aspect, but also on like societal aspect as well. And I think this is like a huge point. Like the the other thing to mention here would be like. You know, before pre-modern society, before the means of transfer of informa mass information around the globe instantaneously, how did things used to work? We know that, you know, within the Muslim community, traveling was a big thing because we have the pilgrimage to, to Mecca. We have Hajj and Umrah um, in which Muslims gather to Mecca, also go to uh, Medina, the resting place of the Prophet Um And Muslims would gather there. And how would they communicate with each other? You know, they would use the medium of the language of Arabic, Arabic, because Arabic was synonymous with being with being Muslim. You know, um, and unfortunately, this is a thing which has sort of come away from our societies, in which we aren't placing as large of an emphasis on on learning Arabic potentially. Um, and I think this is what we want to try and motivate people towards that. And we're using we're using the medium of talking about spirituality and our interaction with the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and with our salah and how they will drastically improve and you know every person generally you tend to find that especially in like Ramadan when so many people are coming to the masjid and interacting with with the Quran and also people are standing in the night prayer in Tarawih and they are listening to the Sheikh uh, recite Quran there's a yearning that so many people have to learn Arabic and there's that passion and that desire and now we want to, inshallah, try and channel that desire and that passion and turn that into dedication um, and turn that into action, inshallah, that we can begin this process of learning. And like we mentioned, you know, not just for the scholars, but for the lay people as well, you know. And, and it's our understanding and our um, opinion that us as lay people, as normal day-to-day -day people, we should have some knowledge of the Arabic language as well, you know. Um, not in terms of like the grammar and the various sciences, but just in terms of vocabulary, you know. Um, if you want to ask for a cup of coffee, then you know it's tahwa. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to ask for some water, ma. Yeah. Um, you know, just general day-to-day -day words that that uh, that you might use, uh, or general phrases that you might use, and you'll you'll be astonished and amazed at how these phrases will will um, translate into you even picking up and understanding certain words and certain verses from the Quran as well. And honestly, like, that part is the beautiful part. You know, standing in Tarawih and this is, the last Ramadan was probably, like, my first Ramadan of knowing, like, some parts of Arabic. I'm sure you'll relate 
I'm sure there'll be many other people that will relate as well, that the first Ramadan that you have after you started picking up some Arabic has a profound impact on your Salah. Because you only understand maybe like 10%, or you only understand like one word or one phrase in like a, a random a random part of the recitation uh, from the Sheikh. But that like one word or that one phrase or that that one ayah, it has a profound impact on the quality of your Salah. Because automatically like you feel warmth in your heart. Um, you just feel like a warmth in, in your heart and your understanding and you, you feel a connection. Um, and that's what we want to try and develop, inshallah. Um, Definitely just kind on from this thing of uh, Tarawih, as you mentioned. <clears throat> Many people, we pray Tarawih Salah in Ramadan. This is me being very, very blunt and honest, is that we don't enjoy it. We usually, I know people make jokes about this, but usually we find the mosque which prays the fastest, mm-hmm. which finishes in the quickest time. Just so we have, how do you say, tick the box. We pray the Tarawih Salah and then we go home. I'm not going to lie, but when a person, he starts to understand Arabic, he starts to understand the Quran, then he looks for the masjid where they pay the slowest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, he, and he looks for the masjid where they pay in the most best manner. Why? Because now it's not a tick box exercise. Now it's an actual action and um, a place where he's listening to the words of his, his Lord. And there's a certain sense of enjoyment and, how do I say, enjoyment. You know, that the person gets that he won't find anywhere else, you know. And honestly, you find this when you start to learn Arabic and you start to understand parts of Quran, your entire salah will change. And honestly, you see a huge, huge difference in your life. I think at the end of the day, these are the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which are guidance through and through. Um, and if we understand them, then it's only going to be a benefit for us, you know. Um, and Learning the Arabic language is not something which is a task which requires a large understanding or a large level of intellect. You know, the normal person can learn Arabic. You don't have to overcomplicate it. And that's that's what we want to try and um, tell our viewers, you know, that don't make it into something which is beyond you. You know, sometimes half the battle is the battle of the mind that you can overcome this. You can do this, you know. Um, we, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent the Qur'an in the form of Arabic because Allah is our Lord and has an understanding and Allah knows that we will understand it. We have the tools, we have the ability. It just requires dedication from our part, you know, uh, a dedication, a want and a desire, a passion, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, the buzzword that we, we're trying to talk about here is dedication, you know, provided that you dedicate time, effort, energy, resources, as you would for anything else as yeah. well. You know, let's not kid ourselves. Every everything which is of benefit in this world requires time, energy, resources, and dedication. If we do the same with Arabic language, inshallah, we'll pick it up really easily. Yeah. Um, and that that's that's what we want to try and and uh, tell people and help uh, help people along in their journey. So, how can we learn Arabic then, Kasim? What should the what's your opinion on what the process should be? What should it involve? Um, how should we go about it? Uh, in terms of learning Arabic, I'll be quite honest, there's two approaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the subcontinent, uh, the way it's done is that usually the grammar and the morphology is taught first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in, in the Arab world, usually uh, they teach a more vocabulary-based approach. Uh, and then they teach grammar later on. Now, both approaches work, okay? But 
me personally, this is just my opinion, uh, is that the approach of learning grammar, morphology, and these things which are very, very intricate first, I think it takes a longer time and a student doesn't understand at the start field what's going on. Because then he's learning a lot of rules and mm-hmm. it's not making sense to him and he's seeing no tangible sort of results. And I think this route is a lot longer. Like they both don't get me wrong, they both create you to the same purpose. But I think the approach of grammar takes you a lot longer to get to the goal rather than when you're doing vocabulary. Because once a person learns vocabulary and sentences and he learns how to read, then what happens is that he I, I personally think that he gets to the goal a lot quicker and he un, he understands it in a more easier and a more lucid manner mm-hmm. compared to a person who learns grammar first. I think the other point that we want to try and distinguish between is the learning of the Arabic language for scholarly reasons and to become a scholar and the learning of Arabic language for the layperson. And whilst this episode is targeted more towards the layperson, um, I think that's that's another possible reason why we would um, sort of argue the case for a more vocabulary-based approach. Um, whilst there are some scholars who also advocate for a vocabulary-based approach, even for scholars as well, yeah. um, but especially for the layperson, I think it's like with English, right? I'm sure that we, if somebody wanted to uh, critique our videos and talk about our grammar, I'm fairly sure they would be able to find problems with the way that we speak English and and the grammar that we use. Because generally, the day-to-day conversations which take place, um, a large amount of grammar is not required. Small amount is required, definitely, you know. Uh, But to understand the complexities of grammar is not something which is required for day-to-day conversation. And we understand and definitely agree that grammar within the Arabic language is a science and also it's a science which is required as a tool to understand the Quran at a deeper level. Oh, yes, definitely. Okay. Um, and inshallah, you know, this is possibly like another podcast episode that we can do in the future and one that inshallah we will do where we can get like a scholar in um, and they can tell us about the various sciences that they learn about within their institutions on their road to becoming a scholar. And I think this is really, really important, Kasim, because sometimes what happens is, as lay people, we don't have an appreciation or an understanding um, of the kind of rigour, the academic rigour that our scholars go through within their institutions. Um, And we don't have an appreciation for the sciences that they learn about. Um, So I think it'd be really, really important that our, our viewers, inshallah, will get to see, you know, the the sciences that are taught, the rigor that they go through, um, the amount of detail that is gone into. But like we said, this is not the purpose of this particular episode, and we're talking about Arabic on on a for a layperson, um, which is why definitely we advocate more for a vocabulary based approach with a sprinkling of grammar as well. Yes. You know, um, and I think that's the important point that we learn our grammar on the side um, at the same time. Yes. So in terms of, uh, this is now just our advice in terms of a curriculum which we think, what I personally think, uh, if a person was to do this, like the person who, who's doing his 95, uh, he only has maybe two, three hours a week spare, and he can only dedicate this amount of time for, for learning Arabic, I think a person was to learn the curriculum that I'm going to give to, the, to you guys, that he'd be able to learn Arabic, honestly, to a good level. Uh, he'd honestly be able to understand maybe 50, 60, 70% of the Quran. Mm-hmm. You know, not not talk about the deep, deep stuff, where he'd understand the words and he'd, he'd understand the grammar and all, all this sort of stuff. One thing that we want to mention is that even if you have a full-time job, even if you have responsibilities in life, 
it can still be done in Arabic. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, if you just dedicate two, three hours a week, you won't see the results in a month. But trust me, after three months, six months, nine months, after a year, you will see a massive difference in your life. You know, and if you were to start now, and you see the difference until Ramadan, honestly, I'm not going to lie, your, your, your experience for the next Ramadan will change. When you go for Hajj, when you go for Umrah, when you visit the lands of Makkah and Medina, your entire experience will change, you know? So one of the, the curriculums that I want to advocate for, and I know many scholars have advocated advocate for this as well, maybe just not in the English language, is that we have a, there is a series, it was designed by Egyptian scholars, and this series was designed especially for non-native speakers. And this series is called Al-Arabiyatu Bayni Adik. And this series, what happens is it starts off very, very easy and it's a vocabulary-based approach, meaning that it takes you step by step and it allows you to gradually increase your vocabulary with the understanding of the language and it takes you to a very, very good level, you know. This is taught in certain institutions around the world. Unfortunately, it's not taught here in the West, but there are certain teachers out there who know how to teach this book because this book is not a book where you just teach there's a certain way, there's a certain manner in it being taught. And it's been very, very beneficial. A thousand of students have gone through this book with teachers who know how to teach it and they've benefited tremendously. I went through the same th- same stuff and I benefited tremendously. And I would say that would be for the vocabulary. In terms for literature, there two, there'd be two beginner books that I would recommend. And this would be maybe when you start book two of Bainiyadi. So you, you wouldn't do it straight away. One, The first uh, one would be the very famous book of Qasas and Nabin or Qisas and Nabidin, whichever way you want to say it. This was written by Sheikh Abba Hassan Natwi, Aliyya Rahmatullah, uh, from mm-hmm. India, from Nadwan. He was a, a scholar from the subcontinent. But even today, his books, uh, uh, every single uh, beginning Arabic reads his books. Mm-hmm. This was his intention. They even read, you know, vastly uh, amongst the Arab world. You know, this is how accepted he is. Mm-hmm. And every single person in Arabic who starts Arabic will start with his books. So if you were to read my personal opinion, Qasas and the from book one all the way to the end of the book and you to read the seerah of the Prophet Honestly, I think your Arabic will be on on a very, very, very good level and you have to do it properly and you have to learn properly. Not the teacher comes and he teaches you or he translates everything for you and you just listen. No, rather he gives you the tools on how to dissect the book and how to learn the book. So that'd be for literature. And the third thing for grammar, you would start grammar. My personal opinion for a person to start learning grammar is that after, I'd say, a period of after three to six months. If you can understand the sentence in Arabic, where somebody was to speak to you without translating it from English to Arabic, then that's the point where you, you are ready to learn grammar. Before mm-hmm. that, if you need to translate in your mind, you're not ready to learn grammar. You, need, you just need bits of it, you know? So there are two books I would recommend. The first book would be Durus al Arabiya, which is known as the Medina series uh, amongst the Western world. This book, mashallah, is very, very easy. It's also very, very nice, and it takes you to a very, very good level. And now, if a person was just to complete Durus al and used to get to that level. After then, he would be able to access higher, higher books with mm-hmm. you know, which the scholars learn. You know, so he can learn Qatar and the Shuzur Dhahab Al Fit Ibn Malik, and this would be like the foundation for him. So he'd be able to build on this, yeah. you know. And the other book I would recommend would be Nahul Wadi. This again was written uh, by scholars to make uh, Arabic grammar especially easy for non-native speakers. And this book, many people have learned this book, and it's been a very, very beneficial book. So these three books I will learn now about finding a teacher. You need to find a teacher who, first of all, makes information very, very easy for you. Mm-hmm. Now, a teacher is not a person who just gives you information. Rather, he takes the most difficult information and he gives it to you in the most easiest of manner. And second of all, a teacher is a person who educates you, but who empowers you. So you want a teacher now who gives you the tools on how to learn Arabic. So you want, you want to find a teacher 
who doesn't spoon feed you everything, rather he makes you do the majority of the work so that you're learning. And you want a teacher who asks you questions and he wants to show that you're you're benefiting and that you're understanding stuff. The purpose is not to complete books, the purpose is to understand books. I know you want a teacher who, for example, teaches you how to use a dictionary. So even if the teacher wasn't present, you'd be able to go through a page and the words which you didn't know, you'd be able to search in the dictionary and find them without the help of a teacher. Mm-hmm. So you want a teacher who makes you independent. And now we just want to uh, link with some people who we think we're doing great work online, uh, whom you guys can access as well. Yeah, so I think we just want to mention like a, a few people, and this is not an exhaustive list. This is a list, inshallah, that uh, can help uh, some people who are struggling to locate a teacher potentially um, to just get started. So I think there's three places that I want to mention that are all online based. I think the first place that we wanted to mention was uh, Mufti Liyakar Zaman, who is based from Birmingham, and he has a fantastic uh, YouTube channel, mashallah. Uh, we'll leave a link to it in the description below. Um, called Roots of Knowledge, on which he has loads of free videos um, that he's been filming over the years. They're fantastic resources on learning Arabic, but also on learning many other things as well um, within Islam. The second person that we want to link to is uh, Sheikh Idris Watts, um, who I believe is a scholar who studied in Morocco. Um, and he has a course, I believe he's starting a new cohort very soon. Um, but the website for um, his course is QuranicCircle.com uh, The third website that I want to link to Which I believe again is another online course um, Which again I believe they've taken a new cohort very soon as well Is Al-Balagh Academy Again we'll leave the link to that um, below as well And I believe some of the scholars that are based from Liverpool um, They have a madrasa known as Micro Madrasa um, Who provide on-site um, courses uh, covering Arabic as well as some other sciences as well uh, who are based from Liverpool or Bradford so if you're able to attend Liverpool or Bradford obviously all UK based um, then demo that's another potential place that you can go to I believe they take in a new cohort on soon as well so micro madrasa again we'll leave a link to that below as well again this is not an exhaustive list uh, this is just some that we're pointing out um, but the main thing is having dedication Kasim um, you know, th- having passion and jazbah, it's a good thing, don't get me wrong. But we need to challenge, challenge, channel that <laughs> into action. Um, and we need to be consistent. You know, if you're consistent, then you'll start to see the results, inshallah. Spending two months, three months, four months, five months, and then continuing, then the benefit only gets more and more. It's like a snowball effect, okay? Um, so if anybody else is struggling, however, you know, we've mentioned a couple of resources here and there. If anybody is still struggling, then feel free to to email us. We'll leave an email in the description box below. And uh, inshallah, Kasim has some contacts, inshallah, um, that he can get in touch with that might be able to to be of assistance. But definitely, you know, I think for me, the way that I see it is every Muslim should have a passion, a desire to want to learn the Arabic language, you know, um, in whatever capacity that they can, whether it be small, whether it be large. And what we're trying to advocate for on this episode is we don't have to get to the level of a scholar. You know, we don't need to know the intricacies of the Arabic language. But at a basic level, inshallah, we should have a good understanding. And learning a language is beneficial for you as an individual, whether it be Arabic, whether it be any other language. You know, many psychologists have talked about the opening of the mind of a person who learns second languages. I think you mentioned before as well, didn't you, that... Um, some people consider a person who only has one language in their armory to be illiterate. Yeah. 
<laughs> in, yeah, in the modern world, he's considered illiterate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he only knows one language, and a lot of people they make fun of the English, that the fact that the English go to every country in the world and they expect the person to know English. Mm-hmm. And the thing, but the thing is, the world's changing now, mm-hmm. and people don't like that. For example, if you go to Turkey, I'm sorry, bro, but English doesn't run there. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't like it. They don't accept it. They expect you to know that language. And it's very ignorant of, ignorant of us living in, the, in, living in the Western world thinking that, you know, we're not English. We go everywhere, they know English. Why don't we make an effort to learn somebody else's language? But through a language, you access culture. Through culture, you access people. Through people, you access different ideas, different mm-hmm. thoughts. It has a huge effect on the person. You know, a language is just, just not words. It's access to, like, a different world, a different portal. Mm-hmm. You know, something that which was unknown to you before. And the other thing to mention here is, like, us being Muslims is a huge community. You know... So many, and I'm sure many of you guys have experienced this as well, that when you go away on travels and you meet another Muslim, it doesn't matter whether you know them or not, it's a source of joy. Like, honestly, like, you go to a country where in which, like, there might be a lot of non-Muslims, or you just go to another country, even if it may be Muslim. But as soon as you turn around and say, Assalamu alaikum wa alaikum salam, oh, brother, you're Muslim, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a, it's a source of joy. But sometimes what happens is a lot of times that conversation stops at the point of, are you Muslim? Mm. Or Muslim, yes. <laughs> now what we want to do is, Try and push that conversation more and you know we can learn about societies culture uh different practices different types of people you know um and that can be unlocked with the arabic language yeah. because the arabic language is the language of muslims it is our language um and inshallah we need to start making an effort to learn each other i just want to mention something that like alhamdulillah this is through, through the grace of allah one that i have friends now from like uh, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, you know, like these parts of the world, but the only way I communicate with them is through Arabic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have people from other parts of the world, and the only, the only way I became friends with them is because I knew Arabic and they knew mm-hmm. Arabic, and that's what connected us and that's what brought us together. Mm-hmm. You know, so it opens, honestly, your world and your network to different sort of people. It, it's amazing what it is for mm-hmm. you. Definitely, definitely. Right, so I think that draws the end for this particular episode. Yes. Kasim. Um, next episode. What we're planning to talk about in the next episode is within our use, I think there's um, a lack of maybe ambition, a lack of drive, um, a lack of desire to to try and experience new things. And it's something that worries us. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you know, many youngsters are spending large parts of their day um, not engaging with society or community um, or just like, trying new things, learning new skills, um, and engaging in new activities, and unfortunately are spending a large amount of their time behind the PlayStation or the Xbox, um, which, you know, we're not saying it's haram or anything. That's, again, we always mention that's not for us to give an opinion on. But there is a large consensus that it's going to cause a lot of harm yeah. if that's all that we're doing. Um, so we want to talk about that, share our own views, share our own opinion, inshallah. Um, so that's what's coming up in the next episode. Uh a lot for listening. Please do hit the like button below. Um, hit the subscribe button as well. Um, and inshallah. And bell notifications. Oh, and the bell <laughs> notification, right? Um, a lot for listening. Inshallah, we'll see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.